On May 26, 1959, the Pittsburgh Pirates were playing at the Milwaukee Braves. Remember, the Braves used to be in Milwaukee before they moved to Atlanta. And a pitcher named Harvey Haddix was having the game of his life. He was pitching a no-hitter. That's a perfect game. That happens about once every, oh, I don't know, seven or ten years. No hits, no walks, no errors, no pass balls. No one was getting on base. But at the end of nine innings, he didn't have a win because his offense wasn't supporting him. We call that run support. Where was the offense? They entered nine innings. 0-0, zero, zero. so it went into extra innings, 10 innings. Harvey Haddock still has a perfect game, but no run support. 11 innings, same thing. 12 innings, same thing. Perfect game, but no offense, still tied at zero. Finally, in the 13th inning, someone gets a hit off of Harry Haddock, gets on first base, and wouldn't you know it, a couple uh, plays later, someone drives in that run, and Harvey Haddock, who pitched the greatest game in baseball history, arguably, ends up losing one to nothing because... His teammates didn't support him. They, they tried, but they didn't do it. Baseball's a team sport. Now, we can't succeed in life and win if we try to do it all by ourselves. We need our team around us, people who care about us, people who understand the importance of our Christian walk and encourage us in that. And we're continuing our sermon series today, as Pastor Zardi mentioned, the games of life. And today we're talking about baseball being a team sport. Our text for today comes from Ephesians 4, 16. From him, we're talking about Jesus, from Jesus, the whole body, all of us, from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows, and we build ourselves up in love as each part does its work. We're a team. This is God's words, friend. Let's, let's come together in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for my teammates. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Make us one team, a united church under the Godhead of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Instill in each of our hearts an increasing thirst for holiness and righteousness and give us an ever-deepening concern for each other, love for you, and compassion for the stranger. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. My Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. In Christ's name, we pray, and together we all say, amen. Number one for us today is that teammates give and receive encouragement. You heard Christina just talk about that. That's one of the things that teammates do. Now, on baseball teams, they do it by giving high fives and pats on the back, sometimes pats on the behind. You ever see when someone hits a game-winning run, they mob them at the plate? That's awesome. That's the kind of encouragement they give. But the most important kind of encouragement they give is with their words. And that's the most important kind of encouragement we can give to our teammates in the church. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but here's the kind of speech that we should be having. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen according to their needs. So we know in advance what they need to hear and how we can encourage them. One of the privileges of serving here at Royal Redeemer is we're an encouraging church. We encourage each other. We're we're not perfect. We don't get it right all the time. But for the most part, people are patting each other on the back and saying, attaboy, great job. You can do it. Here's maybe something that you might want to try that will help you in a little bit better way. Thank you for being that kind of church. I wonder if you can think about someone in your life that has been a great encouragement to you. I hope there's been at least one, maybe several. I've told this story before. One of the great encouragements in my life, I think, was an accident. Um, His name is Ed Ray. He is a member here at Royal Redeemer. He's with the Lord now. He passed away. But he was one of my adult leaders in Boy Scouts, Troop 527. We met down in Fellowship Hall before we put up the walls for the preschool. That's where we met, Tuesday nights. And Mr. Ray was talking to another adult leader, and I was eavesdropping. 
And I think he was purposely talking loudly so I could hear him say things. Kind words about me, encouraging words that I heard about who the man I could be. He, he saw, he saw that, you know, I think that Mark Ryan can be this kind of man. I think he can be this kind of leader. Man, I can't tell you how that encouraged me. It was wonderful. Many at this church do the same thing, and, and we're grateful for that. Be intentional about your encouragement. Literally wake up tomorrow morning and remind yourself that today I'm going to encourage this. Oh, yeah, this one needs encouragement, so I'll use these words for her. Oh, yeah, he's really struggling this way. He's my teammate. I'll have these specific. Lay out your words of encouragement in advance. Let's be that kind of encouraging church. And remember, encouragement is mutual. You not only will give encouragement, you too will receive encouragement. Even the great apostle Paul as close as he was to Jesus, needed encouragement. Romans 1.12, he says, be intentional about encouragement, encouraging each other, uh, and then understand that encouragement can be, uh, I'm sorry, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to encourage, uh, be encouraged by yours. In other words, Paul is saying, let's be mutual encouragers of each other. Number two, teammates give and receive comfort. I've been around sports long enough to know the pathetic nature of a loss. <laughs> could turn a grown man into a crying baby. It breaks your heart. You really wanted to win, man. You trained, you tried, but you lost. So we come around as a team together and we huddle up and we give each other comfort. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. So five specific ways I'm going to give you. This is in a list on your sermon outline if this will help you. Actual words of comfort that can be used. And the first one is that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this happened. So interesting that especially as time goes on, the younger generation understands the phrase, I'm sorry, as if I'm apologizing. Their grandmother died, and I'll say, I'm so sorry. And they'll say, oh, it's okay. Like, like I did it. I'm not, I'm not admitting that I did it, but I'm sharing sorrow. Sorry, sorrow. I'm sorrowful for you. Gosh, that's got to be hard. My heart breaks for you. How about this phrase? I don't know. How could this have happened? I don't know. The honest response of I don't know is better than a pat made up trite answer that probably does more harm than good. Just share with them, I, I love you, but I don't know why this happened. How about sharing this, that God cares? He really does. Maybe you don't think so right now. Maybe you're mad at him because this garbage has happened in your life, but he cares. He proved it by sending his son Jesus to be our payment on the cross, that my sin would be put on Jesus's ledger and his perfection would be put on my sheet. Forgiveness of sins, that's how much God cares for you. And certainly if he would sacrifice his son, literally sending him to death for you, he cares about the smaller details of your life. How about this? How can I help? What can I do? Just honestly share with me. I'll do my best to help you out in any way. If there's a practical way to help you carry this burden, let me know. That's one of the things I love sharing with people as we talk about tough times at the end. I say, just let us know. Let me know. You've got my cell number. You've got my email. Call the church. We'll do our best to help you. Finally, let them know that you care. I truly care. I truly do. I'm, I'm for you. I, I want this to end well for you. They might know that God cares, but they need to be reminded that you care. And finally, as a caregiver, as someone who gives help, know that you need to be recharged too. Psalm 119.76, may your unfailing love, the psalm writer says, be my comfort. Lord, comfort me in times when I need it. Number three today is that teammates give and receive correction. 
teammates give and receive correction. If a player on a team keeps making a, a, a bonehead move, they, they don't just let it go. Teammates come around and say, hey, try it this way. It'll be better. A coach comes around and says, you're making a mistake here. Do it this way. It's better for you. It's better for the player. It's better for the team. If we don't make this correction, the player continues to make errors and hurt themselves and hurt the team. Teammates give and receive correction. Proverbs 15.31, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. In other words, if you're a wise person, you will heed life-giving correction. So a couple things to think about under the header of um, giving and receiving correction. First of all, don't be a complacent condoner. You know what that means. If you're complacent, you're just comfortable where you are. And a condoner is someone who says, eh, it's okay. I don't really think that's a problem. Don't be that person. If it's a problem, mention it. Do it graciously. Do it kindly, do it lovingly, but mention it. One of the most misunderstood principles in Scripture is that I'm not supposed to judge people. Jesus said don't judge. We don't judge them in a critical way, but we discern. We look at them and say, you know, that's a mistake they're making in their life. They're hurting themselves. I want to come along as someone who is a teammate of theirs and help correct them, help encourage them. Secondly, don't be a critical condemner. Oh, man, some people think this is their job to find errors in other people's lives and point them out to them. I can be that guy for sure. I, I, uh, I see people walk in a room and instant judge. How about you? Man, does he really think that shirt goes with those pants? What is going on with the hair? What's wrong with us? Why do we do that? How about in traffic? You do that in traffic? Anybody want to share any areas of their life where they're a critical condoner, uh, condemner? I'd love to hear, honestly. Shout it out. My latest one is the way people park. Oh, they're over the line. Clearly, they're not a lover of Jesus. Like, what's wrong with me? No, not a critical condoner. Uh, Luke 17, uh, oh, that comes with the next one. So let's move on to this one. Be a compassionate confronter. Here's the way to be someone who gives correction. Compassion and confronter. Share with them. If someone is making bad choices and hurting themselves and others, we can respond with truth, love, kindness, and concern. Luke 17, 3, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. In other words, share with them where they're going wrong. And then the second part's all about love. And if they repent, forgive them. Love them. Be a compassionate confronter. And the last thing when we talk about being someone who gives or receives correction, sometimes it's you. <laughs> sometimes you're the one who needs to hear the changes need to be made. Be a humble receiver. One of the toughest things I see people do is to humbly receive correction and, and to act on it. One of the Christian leaders that I like to read a lot, he's an international speaker and author, strong in his theology. I really appreciate him. And he writes about the complaints he gets. And he probably gets quite a few, an international guy. And he shared some of them. You wouldn't believe what people write. Oh, your sermons are too long. They're too short. Stand close to, to, stand too close to the mic. I didn't like that illustration. And on and on and on. And what he does is he reads each and every letter he gets, each email. And he takes it before God and says, God, if there's any truth in this, show it to me because I'm not perfect. Maybe I do need to make correction. And, and if there is an area that need correction in my life, give me the ability and the grace to make those corrections, to repent of those things. And if there's nothing in this letter, this email that I need to think about or correct, let me just let it go, receive it, not, not dwell on it. Uh, finally, number four this morning, teammates give and receive help. Do you think our, our world is in need of help? We help each other. We don't wait for a crisis situation. 
or until someone comes to us in a panic before we help. We pay attention to what's going on in their life. Proverbs 11.25, whoever refreshes others, they themselves will be refreshed. We're, we're helpers of one another. And we know what's going on in their life. Now, not always, but as teammates, we kind of have a clue that this person is struggling with that. That person is struggling this way. How can I help? How are you at reading people when you say, how you doing? And they go, fine. <laughs> I mean, do we have the courage to say, doesn't seem like it. Are you sure? What's going on? How can I help? I'm doing that a little bit more in my older age, and I hope I get better at that. Because people will just say that. There's a huge thing in their life, but... I'm doing okay. <laughs> no, you're not. Share with me. We're teammates. Let's see how I can how I can help. Christian author named Warren Wiersbe says this, and this quote really has four parts. He says, ministry takes place when divine resources, the stuff of God, meets human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Ministry takes place when the good stuff, when the God stuff meets human needs. And the third part of this quote is for us, through loving channels. That's me and you. That's teammates. All to the glory of God. Proverbs 27.10, never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. Friends, teammates are there to help each other. How great was it to have Brian Upton and his team up here to share with us building hope in the city help. Our community needs help. And thank you for being a church that supports it. Building housing for people that can't afford quality housing. Thank you. Paying, helping to pay the salary of this young missionary who goes into those places and says, yes, we're giving you this great housing, but there's more. There's a God who loves you, who's for you, who bought you back from death. His name is Jesus. Let's talk about it. Thank you for being that kind of church that helps. So many ways our church helps. Thank you. Another one I can highlight is Stephen Ministries. Some of you know exactly what that is. Some of you, this is new to you. We have 13 Stephen Ministers here at Royal Redeemer. That's a big number for a church. Some have zero, some have one or two. We have six of them that are leaders, seven that are actual ministers. We have 14 people receiving care from these ministers. Stephen Ministers are people who are trained to listen, to care, to be of comfort, They've given over 570 hours of direct, caring relationship to people who need it. Maybe that's something you're interested in. This is kind of their big push this time of year to find new people to be Stephen ministers. If that is on your heart, something God's calling you to do, to be a teammate who helps that way, I can share the contact information with you. Get, get a hold of me this week. Give me a call or an email. I'll, I'll share that with you. Of course, the best way to help people is to share the love of Jesus with them, what he's done on the cross, that we're all in terrible shape because of sin, but there's a way out, and it's through Jesus Christ. Explain that we all need Jesus because of our sin and that he's provided a way. Not, not quite to the end of the message here, but kind of, ra kind of rounding third and heading for home. Um, so let's be reminded that we're talking a lot about games in the sermon series and winning and doing it right and, and getting to the, the block on the game board that ends or getting the winning home run. And so there's a, a chance that people are hearing, well, I just, if I just live a good life, if I, I'm a winning teammate, if I roll the dice correctly, God will let me in. And that, that's kind of how you get in. So we're kind of playing the game backwards. That game was played 2,000 years ago, and it wasn't played by me or by you. It was played by Jesus, our champion, against the, the devil. And for a while there, it sure seemed like the old devil was going to win. I mean, God was dead. 
But three days later, the great comeback happens, and it's a blowout. Righteousness wins, a billion to nothing. Our side wins, and our champion has won that for us. So now we play these smaller games here in our lives, these games of life, relationships, how we should live life, how we should be good teammates. Pastor Zardi did such a great job last night encouraging those uh, who watch from home to come back to our physical building in this church. And I'm going to do the same. I don't know which camera's on me right now, but I'm going to look at that one. Thanks for joining us. We know that some of you can't be here because of physical needs, and we appreciate that. And some people travel. Maybe you watched our services when you've been out of town with traveling. But, but we're a team, and teams should be together. So I'm challenging you to, to come back and be with your team. Can you do it next week? Can you, can you write it down? Can you, can you bring your family? Can you come back? in the weeks that follow, why do we need to be together as a team? Because how can we encourage each other if we're not here to encourage each other? How can we give comfort to each other, teammates, if we're not here to give comfort to each other? How can we receive and cor- uh, give and receive correction if we're not here with your team to give and receive correction? How can we help if we're not here to help each other? The honest truth is we need you. We're your team. We're better here when you're here. We are body believers, and and right now there are some body parts that are not connected. They're severed. So come back to church. You'll love it here, and keep coming. Starting next week, in the weeks that follow, come back into into this physical building. Some next steps to remind you of, to challenge you with this week. These are at the bottom of your worship folder. Make a list of 10 people. I just chose 10, 3, 10, 14. I'd love for you to do it this afternoon, that... You'll encourage this week. Oh, I, I really know they're in that bad place. Here, here's how I'm going to encourage them. Secondly, humbly receive correction. I need it. You do too. If any part of that correction is valid, come to God in repentance. Lord, help me turn away from this. I need to make this change or these changes in my life. And finally, continue to be that kind of church, so blessed to be here, that helps people and comes to the aid of those in need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our team. It's a winning team, not for our efforts, but because Jesus won for us. And so now we play these smaller um, minor league games, I guess we could call them. It sure is a privilege for me to do life with this team. Um, Teach us to be good to each other, to love, quick to forgive, to be gracious, to be generous, to be helpers, to be encouragers. We pray all this to the glory of your son, Jesus, in his name we pray. And together we all say, amen.